football sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 25 of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. Don't forget, fans, we drop episodes every Monday on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. You can also find our podcast via Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and overcastpodcast.com. Joining us today, he is one of the hardest working men in sports card industry. Now, <laughs> you're going to say like, whoa, 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 sports cards. Like, wait a second, wait a second. Like, yeah, there's been an actual boom in sports cards lately. I've even tried to get myself back into this game, but like Bitcoin and so many other things that are trending in topics today, you got to have some money. But, but no further ado, I would like to welcome my guest, Herbie Montemayor of Hobbies and Heroes Shop in McAllen, Texas. Herbie, how are you? How's everything going, sir? Hey, Ray, it's going good. Thanks for having me on in your podcast. I appreciate it. Um, it's, uh, I say it's a privilege to be on with you. <laughs> yeah. Very happy about it. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, hey, the privilege is mine. I, I started this over a year ago. Mm -hmm. I have over close to over 60 episodes now. So I am uh, keeping along with uh, the Joneses, per se. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but now uh, moving on to our topic of the day, sports cards, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, when did you start getting into collecting sports cards and how did you end up working at one of the primary trading card shops in the Rio Grande Valley? Uh, okay, so that's, I'm going to try to make it from a long answer to kind of a short one, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll give you the details to it. Uh, so I really started collecting back in 1996. So you have to go back almost, what, 20, uh, what year are we, 2021? Yeah, Yeah, what, 25 years? years? Yeah. 20, no, no, it's uh, 25. 20 years, 25. 25, yeah, 25 years. Um, yeah, I remember my parents, uh, they took me to Target one time. And, uh, you know, I was watching the NBA at, at that time. Really, I, I mean, just like everybody else, we were watching Jordan for the most part because we didn't have cable. So we would watch NBC uh, 23. And so, we, you know, Bulls games would always be on. Um, so, uh, of course, they take me to Target. Uh, they had a sports card section there. The first box they ever bought for me. It was a uh, $29.99. It was a hobby box, I believe, of uh, Skybox Premium, uh, 1996-97. And um, all I was looking for was Michael Jordan. And uh, it's crazy because here I am, I'm just throwing the car, not really throwing the cards, but putting them aside, not even putting them in sleeves or anything. But little did I know I'm putting like Kobe Bryant rookies like over here, Ben Wallace, uh, Ray Allen, Allen Iverson, putting all those cards over here. And lo and behold, the Jordan card that I was looking for came out in the last pack. And ever since then, really have been uh, drawn to it. Uh, so really from 96 to really today, I, I don't pick up as much anymore. If I do, I pick up a lot of the older stuff. I don't pick up a lot of the new stuff. Um, but yeah, no, and uh, it's I've been going to Hobbies and Heroes really since uh, they were at the ballpark. That was a, that was the original name of the shop was at the ballpark. Um, 
this was probably when I was in middle school, the first time I ever went there. And then, um, yeah, I, I really, I would always go there. Uh, and then to, from 2009, I would say from 2014, that's when like I got my first job and I remember just spending mad money, mad money buying boxes. Every time we go hobbies, I would probably buy two or three hobby boxes and then just buying boxes online and then doing a lot of breaks personally. So I was doing a lot of video breaks and everything way before, way before uh, like uh, it became a trend. Uh, so I used to have a, I don't know if you know this, I used to have a YouTube channel. I, I kind of use it every now and then. I don't use it as much anymore, but I mean, I'm breaking stuff, you know, back in 2009 on there. Um, it, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Still is a lot of fun. It was obviously a lot more cheaper back in the day in comparison, in contrast to today. Uh, but, uh, again, the way I got the job there was, uh, really, I used to actually work with them every Saturday, uh, for, uh, I want to say for a whole calendar year, uh, before I became a teacher. Once I became a teacher for seven years, uh, I would still collect and spend a lot more on the hobby. Uh, but I kind of, uh, would go to hobbies. I, I used to go hobbies probably maybe once every two or three months. Cause I was always busy teaching. Um, and really once I left teaching, I, uh, really just took the job there. Uh, I asked, <laughs> I asked, uh, the owner if, uh, cause he, he, he has different types of businesses. If he had any job openings or anything anyway, he was like, you know what? I was going to hire you back in 2009. I'm going to hire you now. <laughs> so that's really how, that's really what happened. Um, so what I got hired there about two, it's about, it's going to be two years in October. So two years ago, October. Wow. I mean, you got in right, right before everything started to slow down and i'm yeah impressed well here's the thing ray it's it's crazy because uh you're right uh october from october really to february uh things were still booming because everything was kind of going up it was trending up at the time and then once COVID hit in march uh everything kind of slowed down the county shut down for two weeks uh, we were, that was when we were doing the live breaks and everything. I, you remember that, um, we were doing all that. We would do it three times a week. Uh, we would be on for what, five, six hours. It seemed like, uh, yeah, I mean, those were some good times, uh, some good times, but man, those were, it helped the shop out a lot. And then, uh, when the County allowed us to do, uh, the, uh, what's called the curbside pickups we were able to at least make a make a couple bucks here and there at least to keep this the shop of uh, afloat so we were very very fortunate very lucky on that but i mean the the market itself uh, at the time was i mean like i say it was booming cards were very very popular and still are popular today of course uh but yeah it's just uh, it's just another card boom just like just like in the 90s and the late 80s you know i i gotta ask you you know you're coming up on two years in being with hobbies and heroes Yes, sir. What's probably been the most expensive card that you've ever had the privilege of opening up and giving it to an actual paying customer? Man, there's there's been a lot. <laughs> there's been a lot. As far as like the most expensive card in a break or just like a box, in, like the box in, in a break. In a break. Oh man, there's too many to count. <laughs> there's way too many. Just this past week, I mean, that Justin Herbert goes for 15, uh, 1500 plus, you know, uh, but Chris Bryant's probably a little bit uh, up there as well. That one-on-one, uh, I think so far, probably the Tom Brady, uh, potentially that Tom Brady autograph, 
uh, even that Trevor Lawrence that we just pulled, uh, what, a month ago or three weeks ago? Uh, I, I, I want to say that there's just been so many, Ray, uh, so many. I'm not too sure. But a lot of, there's a lot of points cards pulled for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, two of my favorite cards that I saw pulled out was from a very pricey product. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a basketball product, and I remember one of the cards – having one of those silver dollars and it was uh the last pack that you decided to open just for uh you know make it a, a little bit more entertaining purposes right i i can't remember if it was a trey young uh-huh. or, or a devin booker card but it was during a live break where it was a uh a very expensive break to get into Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could have had to. Have... Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yes. That, that was the, it was the, you know, we did that break on the day my son was born, actually. Yeah. It, he was born three o'clock in the morning that day. And then we still, we did the break very late uh, at night. Uh, it was the Trey Young uh, silver. It was like the training, the 20 ounce, uh, the 20 ounce silver a yes. logo, man. Yes. I, I, I remember that. I'm all like, man, that's got to be one pricey card at least right now while we're recording. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're right about that. Because right now, Wander Franco, Trey Young, those are the two hottest guys right now in the market. Uh, another card that I remember uh, seeing that got pulled in one of your breaks, it was a dual on-card autograph of two Alabama football players. Mm-hmm. And I want to say one was uh, Tua Tagovailoa, Yes. And I want to say the other guy was Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, the the wide receiver. Yeah, I think it was Henry Ruggs. It, it wasn't Jerry Judy, right? Because I don't think Judy it went could, to Alabama. It could have been Jer- Jerry Judy. It could have. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't remember, but all I remember okay. is seeing two guys, Alabama uniforms, mm-hmm. on card autograph. Yeah. No, right. And it was, a, it was number 223 as well. It was a short print. It was yes. a cracked autograph too. I remember that one. Yeah. Do, do you remember what we had to do with that card? You remember uh, that? Yeah, you had to call in both guys at the shop, and you're yeah. like, "We can put this on eBay and split and split split the money even, or uh, or we well, you can know, roll the dice." You know what we did, right? <laughs> they both I, decided actually to roll the dice, and and one got in, the other one didn't. Oh man! I, I mean, I felt for the guy who lost it. It's yeah, the guy who won it. What we did though, we did get the guy who lost it. I mean, the shop we gave we gave him a blaster so that way it wouldn't hurt too too much. Um, yeah, I don't, I know. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough call on that. It, yeah. it is. That's why you know, believe it or not, uh, like it, I I get scared sometimes whenever we're doing breaks that have like two like dual autographs on there. I I hate to go through that. I hate to like having to uh, randomize a very expensive card. You know. Um. What, what's been the number one product? Um, for, forget about labels for for a minute. Whether it's Tops, mm-hmm. Panini, or Leaf, mm-hmm. what's been the one residual or the one brand that kind of holds their value over time? Uh, the Prism. But the thing is, I, I, I'm backtracking on that because if I say 
right now lately a lot of prism rookie like base cards have declined in value uh in all sports all around uh it's very hard but if i would have to kind of say one car uh, like one brand it's gonna usually be the high-end products so probably flawless uh but if you're looking more lower end it's always going to be prism or optic then and i gotta ask you you know let's stay here on the subject of panini here mm-hmm. always always as a football fan you see score come out first and it's usually like a, a, a low-end product about no mistake yes Why? you're correct why doesn't that hold more time or, or hold more value over time over all of the other Panini products? Because here's the way I kind of study this and I'm mm-hmm. absolutely wrong on my theory. If score football is the first football product to come out with all your, your recent rookies that were drafted, shouldn't that hold a little bit more place value because it's kind of like, the first card that comes out? Uh, in the past, it, it used to. And, and the reason being is because in the past, score, all the rookies would actually be in their pro uniform. Now, really, since 20, I think 2018, since 2017, I believe, uh, all the rookies have actually been in their college uniform. I want to say 2016. You have to go far as back as 2016. But all score rookies have all been in their college uniform. Um like I can recall score 2012, their rookie, all the rookies are in their pro. So any rookie that is in their pro uniform typically will sustain its value. If not, maybe grow a little bit or decline. It just goes either way uh, over time. Uh, but with score, anything with the college uniform, it's going to be high probably the first month of release or the first two or three weeks of release until the next product comes out. But the thing is, keep in mind, all the rookies right now that are coming out for Panini specifically for football, if, if they're in the college uniforms, it'll last in value for a bit until the pro uniform products start coming out for the rookies. So that, that's, that's the one thing. Once the pro uniforms come out, there's going to be less demand for college uniform rookies and then more demand for the pro uh, uniform rookies. And, and usually, I mean, I tell me if I'm absolutely wrong, but would prism be that first look at their pro uniforms no i i would say really the first look like i'm gonna use football for example first look for football will be elite football the problem that a lot of people don't know with elite football is the majority of the rookies that come out of that product and i'm using 2020 as an example not not the 2021 product because it hasn't come out yet but in the 2020 product the only pro uniform cards were the autographs all the other cards were in their college uniform. I'm sorry, all the other like base cards, inserts, parallels, all those were in their college uniform. But here, here's the thing. The autographs, literally all you see is like the top of their uh, torso. That's all you see. You don't see like no other thing. You don't see their number. You see maybe the numbers on the side and maybe like the color of the actual team. But that's it. You don't see anything else. So technically, I don't even consider Elite to be the first product with their pro uniform. Again, I'm basing it off of last year's elite product, you know, so it's kind of tough to say. Um, that's why, because I, I can tell you, let's see, next week, Chronicle Strap comes out, football, then Luminance comes out, and then Elite comes out. And then after that, they haven't come out with the, the next product. I'm not too sure what it is, but the product after Elite will be the first product with their pro uniforms, which I'm assuming it's going to be Illusions. 
as I'm being joined by Hobbies and Heroes uh, work employee, Herbie Montemayor. Herbie, let's continue on with, with the Panini because right now they kind of dominate the, the football and basketball aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the products that recently came out, and we saw it with baseball, and now we're seeing it with football. Prism College Football draft picks in their in a prism form now. Mm-hmm. How much, uh, I, I guess, holdover value does that hold uh, still now that you're getting it in a prism card? Because I remember prism cards being released for baseball college draft picks and even for basketball as well. But this is kind of like the first time we see it for football. Uh, how do you like that product? Well, I I want to say it's not the first time for the product. I want to say that product's been around for, for quite some time, right? I want to say since 2015. Okay. 20, either, 20, either 2015 or 2014. It's one of those years. I want to say it's 2015, though. It's going to be the inaugural year. Okay. Uh, but I still... I, I personally do like the cards. A, a collector, a collector of a player, a collector of a team, there, it doesn't matter if it's going to be a college uh, jersey or a pro jersey. A lot of them will still go after it, especially if you're a, a fan of a specific college, you know. Um, personally, I like the Prism, uh, Prism draft. They have all, I like the design of it this year in contrast to last year. Uh, what I do also like about it is all the different colors. The color blasts are, and I always talk about this in the breaks, if we can hit a color blast, they are extremely rare to hit. It's one in every 800 packs, one in 10 cases. Uh, and yet we have yet to hit one in football, yet to hit one in basketball, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, can I switch over from football and basketball draft picks? Because yes. the basketball draft picks, believe it or not, those are actually very expensive boxes. And the reason being is because LaMelo Ball, his only he has two autographs that are actually live. They are not redemptions, so they are in uh, prism draft picks, and they're also in contenders draft picks as well. You know, so uh, all his other autographs have been redemptions so far. Yeah, and again, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of super short print inserts uh, in both prism basketball and also uh, prism draft picks football. You know, so to me. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, I mean, I can show you like my collection and I can show you at least some some of the uh, cards I have at least with Prism draft picks. But I had to literally go digging for them, though, because I have too much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the one of the boxes, if I can remember uh, from Prism draft pick last year mm-hmm. uh, that you had a break on or mm-hmm. or not a break on, but. One individual bought a box and you had the online store going uh, from Facebook, you know, and I, and that would be like my hangout room to just yeah. to kill time. Because remember we had no sports, we had no nothing. Right. And one of the, uh, one of the boxes was a hot box because mm-hmm. not only did you get artist play, but you got mm-hmm. that color blast with that, uh, uh, with the Jake from from uh, Georgia uh, yeah. autograph, and then you had a dual autograph in that same box. Yeah, and you had. A... I, I think that dual autograph was Jake from, and I can't remember who the other autograph was. It was a receiver that from Georgia. Yeah, from they, Georgia. And 
we were all like, man, that is a hot box. I don't care how you slice it. <laughs> and, and we were just having our laughs. It was like, it, it was a good running joke for about the 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. If I can recall. I, I can remember that night clearly, Matt. Uh, do you remember? I think it was that night we probably had like five or six break, uh, personal breaks lined up and people yes. like had boxes. And so we're just opening one after the other. Was that the same night that the Jordan jersey uh, card was pulled? Yes. No, right? Yeah, it was? Okay. Yes. From the yeah. Flair Ultra Box. And, and that was one of the first items that you sold that, that day. Yeah. Yeah. You, you sold the Ray. The, you, you know how much that box is now? We we I think we had sold it for one eighty five. I think that box goes for around six seven hundred dollars now. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It, it, is that like the final product that Jordan was in? Like at least in the Fleer uniform, though. Uh, well, with Fleer, because I think uh, Upper Deck had purchased Fleer, so upper, yes. it was a part of the Upper Deck series. So. When Upper Deck actually was releasing those clear products in, in, in uh, 07, 08, and 08, 09. Um, yeah, 2009, the 2009-2010 season was the last year uh, for Upper Deck to produce basketball. And they only produced two, they only produced three products. So they produce uh, kind of like the top series one version of Upper Deck. You know what I'm saying? So the Upper Deck series one. They released that, and then they did um, uh, what's it called? Uh, SB Game Use, which is one of the greatest products ever. I had the pleasure of opening up a box six years ago, uh, six or seven years ago, and then uh, they made Exquisite Basketball, which was the last year. But I would say those are the three products that have Jordan and his Bulls uniform uh, that were produced, other than the Upper Deck Supreme boxes, which were, I think, produced in, 16, in 2016, 2017. But those are, I don't, have you ever seen those? Those are yes. like five by, those are like five by seven wood cards. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I remember about that break was it was Kevin Durant. And we, and you had seen like two supersonic rookies. None of them were Kevin Durant. Yeah, exactly. And we're like, man. Well, there was one. I think there was one that was pulled, but it wasn't like the rookie because the, the 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 rookie to get was like the eighty six eighty seven uh, Fleer throwback of Durant. I think it was all Jeff Green that we were getting. Yes, and we're all like, oh man, we would have lost it. We would have lost it there in yeah. the break of that day had because not only was the Jordan jersey card pulled, but all the Sonic cards that were coming out were like oh it was like <laughs> it was like the equivalent of of when you're playing soccer and you hit the post yes that's how bad it was that's a good analogy yep you're right about that and i'm all like Ugh. let's switch over now to top since you did touch it up a bit mm-hmm. <sighs> you know i feel like the tops i you know you have series one, series two, then the update, and then you have your whole line of Bowman products. I feel, yes, I, I, I just kind of feel like Panini should kind of copy that, that, um, that model to do uh-huh. their cards for like, for football. I mean, that's just, that's just me. I don't uh-huh. know about you. 
Okay, I, I really do like Tops a lot. I, I love Tops Gypsy Queen, and I love, uh, I love Allen and Ginter. The thing is with, with Panini, like I like the old style look of cards. Like they only have really one product for that, which is Court Kings, and that's like literally only one pack. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, t- with Panini, like throughout the years, I kind of compared some of their products to Tops products. So like score, like score football, hoops, uh, basketball. Like those are the equivalent to like top series one and possibly top series two. Uh, the thing is, you, I've noticed specifically with basketball, they haven't really made products that have more than 24 packs in them other than what revolution, but that has like 12 packs. Um, I like the way tops does their, their, their uh, products, especially with the tops update series. Cause you know, this, this coming update series, if it has Wander Franco in there, man that's gonna be huge that's gonna be his first official rc card you know so uh because all his cards before that have been uh prospect cards yeah they've uh, been bowman uh, bowman yeah. first bowman chrome yeah so the thing is it's it's i i do i like the way that tops does it um i like their higher end products i love that their higher end products for the most part are all on card autographs I love the way they do their cut signatures as well. You know, at the national, uh, I'm sorry, at the Dallas card show, I saw um, there was a transcendent cut autograph uh, pulled and it was a uh, Frank Sinatra one-on-one nice. <laughs> from a, yeah, from tops transcendent baseball, you know, so like stuff like that. Um, Panini does that every now and then with like eminence and flawless. Uh, it's just sometimes i don't know there's there's some i wish that they made more boxes that had more packs and stuff like one pack or 10 packs you know i kind of miss like the good old days of having boxes of 32 packs or 36 packs you know kind of like the jumbo uh hobby or or jumbo hobby packs that you you would uh recently opened up yeah yeah I mean, and like I said, Panini actually does some of those things, which is good. It's just I wish they packed out more, uh, uh, if that makes sense. I wish there was a little bit more lower-end products for basketball specifically because that, that's why I mainly collect. Uh, but since I've been working at Hobbies, I have to know all three sports, you know, so it's it, – it's, it's, I say they do a better job with, basket, uh, with football specifically. Panini speci- uh, that I'm, I'm talking about. I think they do a much better job with football in their football products than they do in their basketball. I even think they do a great job on their baseball. What do you think of their baseball products? You know, I'm going to join the clan of there's no major league logos to that. Uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love their product. I mean, the last product I opened up was a, uh, a, a Dunruss 2018 looking for um I was I was looking for a uh yeah good lord his name escapes my mind uh Ronald Acuna yes Ronald Acuna Junior, I was, yeah. yeah I was looking for Ronald Acuna came up empty on a on the last blaster box that you guys had for for baseball mm-hmm. I, I came up empty but uh you know I like their product. They have nice design. They have nice variations, nice everything. But, you know, I I just can't come to full circle. I mean, I love the fact that they have Domingo Ayala cards, San Diego chicken cards. That's that's great. But for me, if 
I'm going to buy another box here soon. It's got to be with tops. Or if I'm going to get a pack, it has to be a a Jumbo Bowman. Right. Uh, right. Because that uh, that is where, like, if you really want, if you really want, like, uh, a, a moderate risk to have pretty good success, I, I think my best bet would be a Bowman first. I don't mm-hmm. know if, if that's kind of a safe a sequence to play there. Yeah, no, I agree. I would agree. You know, one of my favorite tops products is actually Bowman Draft. The 2020 Bowman Draft was a lot of fun to open. I think we did like three box breaks of that. And then I had the idea to let's do a super jumbo box. And I will never do that again. Oh, man. <laughs> a super jumbo uh, Bowman 2020. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I think th- those things are super expensive now. But uh, that's what, 400 cards or what, six, 700 cards? I have no idea. I yeah. just remember. It took me about two hours just to organize it. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's something I would love to partake one of these days, just a, a, a Bowman uh, draft box break, you know? Just... Well, we, ha- we have a joke. We have a joke actually at the shop that, you know what, Herbie, we're going to get you to do a case break of, of the Super Jumbo Bowmans. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's, it would take me forever just to organize everything, you know? It's crazy. I mean, if but, that if that were to ever happen, let mm-hmm. me know, and and, and <laughs> I'll I give might, you a call. I'll let I, you know. You can come help me. <laughs> no, I I would probably like just show up at the shop and pay then. <laughs> I, I'll personally go there. I I, I love Bowman products so much. Uh-huh. As I'm being joined by Herbie Montemayor of Hobbies and Heroes, uh, let's stick here with the with the baseball discussion here. You mentioned Wander Franco earlier. Mm-hmm. And and his call up to the Tampa Bay Rays, it, you know, uh, I'm all in, I'm all in for the kids having their fun and uh, having their fun and and having their their shot to play. But one of the the I guess older kids that I'm that I like seeing to play right now is Bo Bichette, Kavan Vigio, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. Or, or as one breaker on the internet would call him Vlad Guerrero Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a fun set of kids that we're growing up and seeing because Biggio, of course, Craig Biggio's dad, former mm-hmm. Astro, Vlad uh, Guerrero Jr., of course, Vlad Sr. in his unique swinging style. Yeah. I mean, that guy would hit anything low and outside and still go over the fence. Yeah. And then you got uh, Bo Bichette with his uh, dad, Dante, being the uh, force out there in in Colorado for many years. Mm -hmm. What do you make of that young trio out there in Toronto? Uh, I mean, you got to add in Bregman in there too. I mean, you got to add in a whole bunch of other players. Even the pitching staff, I think the pitching staff, I still remember what they opened up this year against the Yankees and they want, they took two, two or three. I think they may have swept them. I think they took two or uh, they the took game. three out of four from them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I still remember them being very dominant. Um, and it's actually very refreshing to see specifically with Toronto. Cause what last time they went to the world series was what? 93. Yeah. 93. Uh, and they beat the Phillies. Yeah. Yeah. That was when Joe Carter hit that home run off uh, Mitch Williams, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, it's there. 
I think long term, because they're in the American League, I think long term, I, I still see the National League being a little bit stronger than the American League, at least in terms of just pitching. Uh, but I, I still still see at least them doing a lot of damage in the future. Uh, maybe not this year. I, I don't know. What do you think this year? Uh, you think they can at least go to the ALCS or at least make the playoffs? I'd like to see them make the playoffs personally. I, I mean, right now you're seeing that you're seeing a lot of youth revolution going on as well in the NL with Fernando Tatis. Uh, you've got Mookie Betts in LA. And then you got Ronald Lacuna in Atlanta, which they're kind of struggling right now. Mm-hmm. And and then you got Jacob DeGrom, who I feel is like uh man. I, I, that guy's I, having himself you know, a season. That guy, I feel he's like the Mike Trout of pitching. If you mm-hmm. ever get him out of the Mets and put him in a legitimate contender, like let's say, I don't know, you put him in Houston, you put him in Atlanta or you put them anywhere else, it's like, you, you know, th- this is where he needs to be type of deal. Not being in in the with the Metropolitans or the Mets. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. I, I, you know, Ray, I saw a crazy stat. It was like a month ago. Uh, the stat was, I think he has more RBIs. He, uh, at the time, I'm not too sure how it is now. We, uh, Jacob DeGrom had more RBIs than uh like earn runs yeah yeah <laughs> you know? i saw that and i think that and i think that still stands i mean i think he's only given up like one more run and he still has more rbis yeah and oh. what sucks what sucks is like the mets and i wish they could give him more running support they, they just haven't really been do, uh, doing that um and the thing is i i don't know uh i, I don't know i can't really say much about the mets just because i don't follow them as closely uh, I'm more of a Yankees fan. Uh, don't don't hate me on that. <laughs> not, not at all. Yeah, but well, uh, the thing is, I wouldn't want Degrom to go switch over to the Yankees just because it seems like whenever the Yankees get a pitcher, uh, a top pitching like a uh, player, he seems to never really pan out. I don't know. Um, I mean, there was CC Sabathia, but what he he really had like one or two good years with the Yankees. Uh, that th- those years that we got Roger Clemens like real late in his career, uh, even Randy Johnson, we got him real late in his career, you know. Andy so it Pettit. was, yeah. But Andy Pettit was, I mean, he was in the farm system with us, you know. It's just the, yeah, we've had a lot of good pitchers, you know, David Cohn, what David Wells as well. Um, a lot of good pitchers, but a lot of them didn't really pan out. You remember Kevin Brown? I mean, yep. even the Yankees picked him up. Dodgers, he was yeah. a Dodgers guy. Yeah. yeah, and you know, right now Jacob Degrom reminds me a lot of the, a lot of the time when Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit were with the Astros, mm-hmm. they could never get him any run support, and yet I know, yeah, and and I'm all like, why, why can't it be a like this all the time for him? Mm-hmm. Why like, why can't it? You know, like, can we can they get him some run support because? Yeah, you may have spent a ton of money on getting Lindor, but eh, he's not really uh, turning out to be what he he was in Cleveland. You know, maybe the market mm-hmm. size is just a little too big for the liking. Well, yeah, you're right. You know, have you noticed that? Like, at least in the past, I would say since 2000, since the Yankees once uh, won the World Series in 2009, every big signing that has occurred since then, no matter if it's a pitcher or a hitter, 
they have a, uh, if they sign with the Yankees or with with the Mets, they haven't really performed very well uh, for some reason. I, I think I think the the big town, the, the huge urban setting, kind of maybe um, I don't know, uh, kind of not only makes them nervous, but pr- just imagine all the anxiety they go through. <laughs> I would say all the pressure. Exactly. I mean, on, the lights only get brighter from there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Herbie. It's amazing because I look back, I look back at the 2009 World Series for the Yankees. They brought in Mark Teixeira, Sabathia, A.J. Burnett. You know, I, I've always had this running joke with Mark Teixeira. Ever since he got traded from the Texas Rangers mm-hmm. to, to the Atlanta Braves for exchange for Elvis Andrews, which I kind of feared like that was one of the worst trades the Braves had ever made. Mm-hmm. I've always had this running joke about Mark Teixeira. Singles hitting machine. Because after, because like after he left Atlanta, it was like he could never get that power groove going. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Even with even when he went to the Yankees, I think he had what batted over 300 maybe two or three times. Yeah. Uh, but there was like low 300s, like literally on the borderline of 200. Uh, like it, he was a high I, 290 guy. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, he was. He was a really good player, though. Uh, I'll hand it to him. Not a Hall of Famer, though. No. I, I, yeah. Nowhere close to being one. No. Uh, he had a great start with Anaheim. And then when he moved over to Texas, it kind of continued. But then the trade off to Atlanta and after. Atlanta refused to like even negotiate with him. Mm-hmm. It was like uh, they knew the writing was on the wall. I think. <laughs> well, the the thing was for Atlanta at that at that time was either get a star player and build up, um, build up mediocre bullpen, mm-hmm. or build up build up the bullpen, and you and inherit everything from the farm. And I think they went with the farm and it kind of like set them back a little bit, even despite that they were still producing uh, like pretty good talent for, for major league. It's just that they never really found their sticking spot with the Braves. It, it, I mean, there was that little batch when the Mets had won a division and then it was the Phillies. And then they had, and then someone talked about the NL East, like, not running about the Braves. And then mm-hmm. Chipper Jones said one time, you know, until you win the NL East 15 times in a row, y- you can have something to say. <laughs> That's never going to happen. <laughs> and and that only happened with the, uh, with the Atlanta Braves. While the Mets and Phillies have been trading off the division titles and even the Nationals to, to a certain mm-hmm. extent, have yep. gotten inside that conversation. And Dave even won a a pennant of their own too. Yeah. So, so they're, they're heavily involved. Yeah, for sure. But Herbie. Yeah. I, when the Nationals won the, uh, cause they won the world series, yes. uh, but they won it without Bryce Harper. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And, and I think know, Bryce had left to the Phillies and then the Nationals win the following year, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I've always said it and people always call me crazy. You know, I've always said that Bryce Harper is the most overrated 260 hitter that has ever come up to the majors. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah, yo. He's a great player. I, I wouldn't say he's overrated. He's. I think he's rated okay. I think he's all right. He's all right. I, I'm not gonna... I think he's all right, but he's not going to be Hall of Fame material. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be ever Hall of Fame material. The second he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, oh, I will just give up on baseball. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I've never seen so much hype for a guy who has never won a playoff series or mm-hmm. even gotten or even reached the playoffs. I mean, for me, if, if you're going to underappreciate a guy, underappreciate Evan Longoria. Yeah. Evan Longoria of the race. That guy had one of the best fielding percentage as a third baseman. He had mm-hmm. great hit, hitting average. His only problem, playing for Tampa Bay. And at least he got them to a World Series. Right, exactly. And, and, and he got them to an, an ALCS uh, title as well. Mm-hmm. But Herbie, I, I, will, I will ask you. Yes. Going back now on the card subject uh, for to finish off this podcast. I gotta ask you, what's mm-hmm. what's your highest value card at this point, and what is, I guess, your highest valued sealed box product that you could probably have in your possession today? That I wish I can have in my possession, or that you probably have stashed somewhere in your possession. And try to like, uh, you know, all I bought this at Hobbies and Heroes, but <laughs> here it is, eBay. All your galore. Here's a uh, Prism Box 2017-18 sealed box hobby. <laughs> Give me your highest bid. Uh, um, <laughs> well, okay, so the probably the most expensive card I have right now, is, it's a PSA 9. Uh, autograph is a 10 uh, Michael Jordan from 2000 2001 upper deck masters collection um, it's number to 50 it's a encore autograph of him and a bulls uniform uh, last time I took that card up to the Dallas show I was offered I think I was offered I can't even remember it was either 15,000 or 18,000 I think I was offered 18,000 if I can recall but I, I, I didn't want to take it just because I, I was asking 20,000 at the time um and plus i don't know it's very hard have you ever heard like the phrase if you don't want to like sell stuff don't take it i shouldn't have taken it because i got tempted to sell it but i mean i i didn't really need the money you know but i just want to kind of fish around at least for for offers on it yeah 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 so so i was uh i was actually pretty amazed with how much it was because you know i bought that card for 700 and fifty dollars back in I think 2014, back in 2014, and that's how much it's appreciated uh, in terms of value. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the most. Uh, that's probably the most valuable one. I, I have a lot of stuff in the ten thousand range, uh, uh, probably around ten to twelve cards in the ten thousand range uh, that I've kept over the years. And that's just again, I've been in it for so long that I was buying everything cheap. Everything was cheap uh, back in the day. No one collected basketball. Uh, very little people did. I was probably one of the few that was collecting just only basketball. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, uh, that's the really the main sport that I follow religiously. Uh, but as far as uh, sealed wax product, I don't have really much. The only hobby box I have that's sealed up that I didn't open is the 1920, so 1920, uh, 2020 uh, Panini Prism hobby box. Uh, that's like the rookie year with Zion and with John Morant. So I actually had in my possession the 1819 hobby box, uh, which is the Luca and Trey Young, which I should have kept sealed, but I, I decided just to open it up, uh, which in retrospect, I should have left it sealed because the box wasn't too, wasn't that great, you know? So, um, yeah, that's that's the one thing I do have, at least uh, there in the closet, right in the back over here, <laughs> is that one 1819, uh, no, I'm sorry, the 1920 hobby box of, of prison basketball. So no Luca, no Trey. I got a Trey in that box, but excuse me, no Luca though. Oh. But I mean, I was I opened up so many packs, uh, eighteen, nineteen, because no one was really. I mean, you were able to find them everywhere, uh, whether you're at Target or at Walmart. Hobbies had, I believe, at the time, two cases of the hobby boxes, and I remember buying two of them. Um, this is what me before I was working there. Um, that's what two two years before I was working there <laughs> or a year. Uh, but yeah, it, it was. I would say uh, I. That just opened, just open. But personally, I haven't opened up anything for myself. Really, uh, it's been quite a while. It's been a long time. I think the last box I opened for myself was a 1920 Donruss uh, Happy Box. That was the last box I I opened. Well, the, you know, you, you you bring up Donruss. I, I guess my favorite Donruss product. I guess in general, and and if I like ever see it in your shop, I'm, I'm I I will dive into it regardless of sport is cl clearly Donruss. Oh, okay. I, I, I really love the, the feel and the look of it. Mm -hmm. cl clearly Donruss. Uh, yeah, you know, we actually had two boxes of clearly Donruss basketball, and we actually sold them uh, this past weekend, actually, on Saturday. It was either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, but, yeah, we had two boxes there for quite a while, and, yeah, and they sold. They moved. Um. Yeah, they have clearly Don Ross and the Chronicles football. They have uh, some, uh, like, you know, they're randomly inserted into the packs, but it's not its own individual product, though. Oh, man. Uh, it, you know, that's kind of like one of the flaws that I, I, I think Panini has with their Chronicles products because, uh, you, you know, you see different cards from different products, like you see Aluminums, uh, Luminance, uh, Spectra, uh, Elite. Mm -hmm. you, you get to see, it's like, a, a, a little buffet of everything there you go that's a good analogy there <laughs> and then it's just like why aren't these cards sold in hobby boxes the clearly well, genres i'm making reference to yeah no i hear you what what panini does and, and and they've stated this on their blog like the general idea of chronicles like when it first released was hey guys we had all we have all these other products you know, the season's already over. We have 10 other products that we didn't release. What we're going to do, we're going to open them all up and put all these cards <laughs> in one big product. And here you go. There's your buffet. <laughs> <laughs> now, I am. this is the last question. Fair or dirty what Rick Carlisle said about Jason Kidd being the next Mavericks coach? Okay, I didn't hear. What, what, what did Rick, Rick Carlisle say? Uh, say? Well, Rick Carlisle is no longer the Mavericks coach. Right, right. But he highly recommended Jason Kidd 
to become the next Mavericks coach because according to Carlisle, he sees things in Jason Kidd that Luka Doncic has as a player. Okay. And for <sighs> me, for me personally. Well, let me hear what you have to say. <laughs> for me personally, it was kind of like a little right hook connection mm-hmm. in a in a bad demeanor towards mm-hmm. the Mavericks organization. Now, as a Mavericks fan, it kind of kind of hurts to see that, you know. I mean, Carlisle is now the new uh, the new coach and principal to be uh, at Indiana now, mm-hmm. but that to me kind of left like a better taste because right now it's like first you got to take care of Luca and then you bring in the head coach right and right. for Carlisle to like go out there and, and, and throw that right hook at the organization like nah bruh nah that, that ain't right <laughs> that ain't right that's dirty well Okay, so here's my take on just Jason Kidd as a coach. Uh, he hasn't had a really good. Uh, he hasn't had a really good, I would say, coaching resume. Wait, he started off first with what the Brooklyn Nets, right? I would mm-hmm. say, or with the with the Bucks, with one of those teams. He didn't really do good. You remember that altercation? He didn't have a lot of altercation, but he told one of his players, "I was like had a cup of water to bump into me purposely." remember that yes. you know um there's a lot of things with jason Kidd that kind of bother me as him as a coach uh he hasn't really proved it as much he was what assistant coach last year on the lakers he was able I, at least to somewhat help uh but I, I think with the lakers that's a whole different it doesn't have to deal with coaching i think that's all about the players um i don't know i i just don't i see the mavericks possibly hiring him and i think he's probably the favorite to get hired I just mm-hmm. don't think he's going to be a good fit for them. He he hasn't really shown me that he's kind of progressed uh, as a head coach. You know who would do really good with the Mavericks? Uh, Greg Popovich. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't mind Greg Popovich. I personally don't mind Greg Popovich at all, you know? Yeah, um, but – I think Greg, uh, he, I think he's on his way out. Uh, he probably has one or two years left, and I think he's going to retire. He's very loyal. He's not going to leave San Antonio. But the one thing is I don't want the Mavericks to hire D'Antoni. I don't like Mike D'Antoni. He's all about offense. No. D'Antoni hasn't really proven much as well. He could get teams to, like, the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals, but never to the finals, it seems like. Um I don't know. I, I just, as far as like head coaching positions, uh, you know who I really like uh, as a head coach. And to me, he's kind of underrated. Is uh, oh my god, my his name escapes me. Uh, the head coach for the Heat, um, Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra. Yeah, there you go. Think I like Spolstra a lot. Um, I think he's proven, especially last season, that he is a really good coach especially when handling uh, multiple uh, multiple personalities uh, on, on just one team. Um, but, man, I mean, Carlisle, that's a big loss for, uh, for Dallas, in my opinion. No, I just think the way Mark Cuban handled everything, it's like in Dallas there's already one crazy owner. 
you don't need to have another. <laughs> and this is a shot more towards the Cowboys. You already right. have one. You, 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 you've <laughs> got one. You've got one crazy owner. You, you don't need a second. Honestly, you guys really don't. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, well, uh, who do you think's a good uh, a good coach for them? At least uh, right now. Oh man, what do you think of Byron Scott? Not bad, not bad. Um, the one guy I would like to see come back in the NBA only because he kind of he kind of got put like in a real dire position. Like he wasn't set up to succeed, but he was just kind of a stopgap coach. Mm -hmm. Is he's coaching a national team uh, right now in Africa? I want to say he's you know, coaching the Nigerian basketball team, uh, and I I want to venture and say it's Mike Brown. Oh, I I had a feeling you were gonna say Mike Brown. I like Mike Brown. I mean, he's he's been a he's a really good assistant coach. He's won multiple championships uh, being an assistant. Uh, I mean, he was a coach of LeBron for quite a while over there in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. um, ah, shoot, Ray. I was just thinking right now. Oh, my gosh. I had another name on the top of my head. What do you think of Mark Jackson? I like Mark, uh, Mark Jackson. I just don't think his personality wouldn't fit with Mark Cuban. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think I think they would totally butt heads uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I mean Mike Brown was the coach for the Cavaliers from 05 to 10 uh, to 2010, and then mm -hmm. 20, 2013 and fourteen, and then he did coach the Lakers from twenty eleven to twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah, but but he was a assistant coach for the Spurs, I think, for two or three of their championships, and then he was an assistant coach on the Warriors, I believe. Correct as well. Correct. Yeah, so, I mean, he is a multiple-time champion. So, I mean, he does have that experience. The thing is, can he fit with Luca's personality? Now, here's the thing. What I like about the Mavericks, believe it or not, I mean, they, they need to get the two or three other additional players to at least help out the team. I'm a huge fan of Jalen Brunson, real big on Villanova. Very, very big fan of him. And I think he needs to get a little bit more playing time. I think Luca, I think Luca has to kind of come to grips thinking that he can't necessarily do it all he's Luca right now reminds me of Jordan his early early years where he's doing everything and not getting his teammates involved he is getting his teammates involved but I think it's just not enough I think he's taking it more upon himself but the thing is the league's changed so much though nowadays a lot of stats are very um uh misleading uh in, in my opinion you have to actually like what genuinely watch the games to see how much of an impact that one individual has you know um, I, I don't know. At least just right now in the NBA, it's all it's all inflation in terms of just stats. I, absolutely, you know, it, you know, it's gonna be a very interesting off season for Dallas, if it already isn't. You know, you've already lost Donnie, you've already lost Rick Carlisle. Mm -hmm. What else can you possible? What else can possibly go wrong with that franchise? Ah. Uh. I mean, here's the thing. Like, and like I mentioned, they it's a. I still think it's a good team. I'm a. I'm a big fan of Finney Dorian Smith, Maxi Kleber as well. Big fan of him. 
Uh, it's just you got to get other pieces. Uh, I, Porzingis was never really a fan of Porzingis. Uh, he's very injury prone. Um, I, I uh, again, just, I just didn't think that Porzingis was a good fit. Like on paper, it mm-hmm. was, but once you really got to see everything unveil, it was like, oh no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a good probably fourth or fifth option, you know. But I think he's he's kind of like he's a little bit more overrated. I, I think I think injuries have kind of really hinted his uh, hindered his uh, his growth professionally um or as a basketball player i mean um i'm trying to think of some of the free agents right now i mean i know derozan's gonna be a free agent i he wouldn't be a good fit for the mavericks i think the mavericks need help at least on on their five spot and they just need a other good second person to to shoot the ball i think one person who could really help dallas and i don't want him to go to dallas because i want him to go to san antonio is uh bradley beal <laughs> bradley beal i like bradley beal a lot but the thing is, Bradley, uh, I, I can see the Lakers going after him. I can see the Heat going after him, even Portland. Uh, right now, Portland's doing everything they can to keep Damian Lillard. And I think Damian, I'm hoping, he's my favorite player right now. I'm hoping he doesn't leave. Uh, but I, I, it looks like he might He might be on his way out. It's a possibility. I mean, my, my favorite uh, Damian Lillard moment would have to be when he uh, waved a uh, goodbye after he made that three pointer at yep. the end of a playoff sim- uh, series. Yeah, that's man. Damien Damien is very clutch. I'll always well not only that shot, but the one I'll always remember is when he hit the game winner against the Rockets. Uh, I think he hit it over Dwight Howard. I'm not too sure, uh, mm-hmm. but it sent it sent the 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 Blazers to uh, the next round, and that's when they lost to the Spurs. But the Spurs lost that year in the finals anyway, so I can't really brag too much. But the thing is, uh, that was one heck of a series. And then them against OKC, that was even better because uh, that was that team had PG-13, had Paul George, and I think he also had uh, – no, Melo was on that team. It, it was just Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, so that was a really good series. I'm telling you, I, I love Damian, man. He That guy is so clutch. His three-point shots, it just looks so routine, routine when he does it. You know, it's just it's no biggie. I'll just hit another three, you know? Absolutely, Herbie. I want to thank you for taking uh, some time out of your busy schedule. I know uh, fatherhood is beckoning. I know you, you're a father, <laughs> too. And, you know, it, it's just great when you have uh, children to look over now. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, Tim Tim is 13 months old, so uh, we just put him to bed a little while ago. And, uh, yeah, he stopped by the shop the other day, you know, costing a little ruckus. He's walking around everywhere. Uh, I joke around that once he t- turns five years old, he's, you see the boxes behind me? Once he turns five years old, he's going to help, uh, help me organize all of that stuff. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Herbie, thank you so much. Appreciate the time, efforts, and uh, we'll be uh, – We'll be seeing each other soon, hopefully. Yes, for sure, Ray. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, sports fans. Thanks for listening to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Silva. Be tuned next week for another great episode 
as we drop podcasts every Monday here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast can also be found via Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.